I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with another legendary conversation. La Cienega Design Quarter has been a design destination serving LA's vibrant and extremely talented design community for over 50 years. This design district is special for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the fact that it is on not one, but three of the most high-profile and iconic thoroughfares in Los Angeles, La Cienega Boulevard, Melrose Boulevard, and Melrose Place. The district has seen Los Angeles change from trendy studio town to a global creative powerhouse. It's no secret that I think LA is one of the most relevant and important creative cities in not just the country, but the world. I think the amount and level of creative contribution in multiple disciplines makes LA a vanguard and creative icon. That doesn't happen because of a picture or a building or a landmark. It happens over time and it develops because of the people. For decades, creative types have been drawn to Southern California to reinvent themselves. And there has always been communities of like-minded individuals to both receive and nurture them. The La Cienega Design Quarter is one of the most influential and the annual Legends event is a beautiful example of this. For the past decade, LCDQ has been welcoming the design community and enthusiasts alike and encouraging them to get out of their cars and walk the district to see the amazing and wonderful creations erected in the showroom windows. This was the first year that Convo by Design was represented as an official media sponsor of Legends. I cannot tell you how cool this is for me, and I wanted to do something special to capture this showcase of remarkable talent. This is a special series called Legendary Conversations, featuring the very designers and decorators responsible for transforming these showroom windows into extraordinary spaces. I also wanted to bring you some of the panels and keynote conversations that help make this year's event so special. This event brings you designer Kevin Isbell, Gianetti Home founders Brooke and Steve Gianetti, Patrick Sutton, Brooke Wagner, and Bridget Coulter. Let's get this started with Ohio-born bi-coastal designer Kevin Isbell. If you read the industry trades, you've seen his work. His window was amazing, and here's Kevin to tell you all about it. I'm Kevin Isbell from Kevin Isbell Interiors. We're in the, we're at Gracie Studio, which is a family-owned wallpaper company in uh, the La Siena Design La Cienega Design Quarter in Los Angeles. And we're, we're here for Legends and LCDQ. I'm really excited to talk to you about this because you are, you are a designer relatively new to Los Angeles. That's correct. From New York. Correct. LCDQ is really special. Legends is really special. One of the things that I, it's, it's very cool because it brings people together. I'm curious, what does this kind of event mean for you as, as a designer? And what does it mean for the design community? Well, for me personally, it's an honor. I'm, I'm new to, to, the, um, to the scene here. And to be here and to be welcomed and to be part of this is, um, it's a huge honor for me. And it's a big design event for California in general. And I think that it's a time for designers to come together. It's a time for, you know, to celebrate creativity. Or hopefully it's to celebrate creativity and maybe a little networking and, you know, all of that. But um, it's a good event, I think. And I'm excited. I'm very excited to be here and honored. So the theme this year is icons. Correct. Who is the icon you selected? I selected Albert Hadley. The famous Albert Hadley of Parrish Hadley. Um, for me, there is no other. 
right? He is sort of the dean of good old-fashioned decorating, and um, he mixed high and low, and he liked modern art, but he would put it with Chippendale furniture, and he just had a fearless approach to design. So I chose him. And along with what you said, I'm curious, what do you think, with regard to the work itself, what do you feel was so special about the work? What made it iconic? He just had an innate sensibility and taste that um, I think resonated with a lot of people. Um, he comes from what I call the golden age of decoration, um, back when anyone with an Instagram account could call themselves a designer, right? So he is back in that sort of golden age. Um, and he had a great background in, in his education and his ability to hand draw. And um, for me, I just think he's one of the best. So I found two schools of thought in talking to designers about their windows here at LCDQ and Legends. One school of thought is, I'm gonna design the window as I feel my icon would design it. The other school of thought is, I'm gonna design my window as I wanna design it and sort of pay homage to, to that designer. And then there's hybrids of, of, you know, between. I'm curious, which direction did you go? Oh, definitely the latter. Um, first of all, I have a five by eight window. There's no way I could recreate an Albert Hadley room in 40 square feet, right? So this to me is an homage to him. It is um, more editorial. It is, um, it's basically just, it's autobiographical. Everything in my window either relates back to me or back to him in some way, right? So I took his love of drawing, I still hand draw everything. Um, Gracie paper is all hand drawn. So this connection is the creativity and it is the process and the genesis of creation. So my window is sort of encapsulating that moment of creation really. Not in the biblical sense, <laughs> right? Although it could be, right? Who knows what's going to happen in that window? Who knows? So, was there anything else that you did to possibly channel him into, into the work? Well, there's lots of, if you know anything about Albert Hadley, you know. He famously quoted as saying, red is a neutral. So there's red, red strewn throughout. His drawings are on the wall. And I made, oh, I don't know, 650 or so copies of his drawings, which I then crumpled and put in the window. You know, when a venerable company like Gracie asks you to do your window, of course you just litter it, right? That's, that's the best answer to, you know, just fill it with garbage and see what, the, see what happens. Um, so I'm honoring him in a lot of ways. His bulletin board, which he's very famous for and has a, a book actually dedicated to his drawings and his bulletin boards. Um, I recreated that. That one's a little bit more autobiographical for me. Um, you know, and his books are there and magazines in which he's been published in are in the window and um, fabric houses that he loved and championed are in the window. So everything is looks random, but everything there has been thought out and there is a uh, connection back to either him or me or both. Speaking of which, so it's really interesting for me. Um, when creatives like yourself are asked to do their creative work, in, in most cases you're doing it for a family, 
it's a private residence. Mm. If you choose to get coverage for that project, you or your PR rep, you send it out, you, you, right. you channel it, you specify it, you make, you make the project, you frame it the way you want to frame it. So here, you don't get to do that. You have selected the, the work, you have put your work out there, and it, it's, I, I love this because you, you've, it's a stupid question, but you've got that sort of like, I'm gonna just punch this in the face. I'm not gonna give anyone, a, I'm gonna put it out there. This is who I am, this is my creative work. Yeah. Do you feel pressure because of that, because you're behind a window and people driving by, both designers, non-designers, in the trade, out of the trade, is there any pressure or do you just have that mentality where it's like, yeah, I'm just going to punch it in the face and if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. Well, I'd like to say the latter, right? But of course, and my husband can attest to this, even like minutes up to, you know, walking in here, I'm still like, oh, is it okay? Do I need more crumpled paper? Is it like, you know, and I'm curating it down to, so I think that's a natural creative sort of insecurity that, most people have. Um, I was very conscious that this needed to make a statement overall, right? There's a lemon yellow paper in the window for a reason, right? So that it catches your eye. It is something that you will see from the street and hopefully you'll stop. And then once you stop, you will see all of those details and all of the love and all of the thought that was really put into this, right? So it's a little bit of both, but I was definitely very conscious that it needed to make a statement. Right. You got one second to make that first impression, and hopefully I did that. Yeah, and I think you did. Yeah, thank you. Um, who'd you specify? I specified mainly Gracie, <laughs> right? Um, help from Vandenacker, which is um, a, a showroom, and fabric houses such as Schumacher lent me rolls of fabric just to stick in the window. But for the most part, it's, it's Gracie, and it's me, and maybe Kinko's, <laughs> right? For 650 copies of, right? But for the most part, it's Gracie, me, and you know, some help from my supporters, right? Well. And stealing from my own studio. Fair enough. Right. Yeah, I think you crushed it. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin Isbell. Here are Brooke and Steve Gianetti of Gianetti Home, a multifaceted design firm with an almost indefinable approach to design and architecture because they incorporate the style that suits the project, regardless of modern, rustic, or traditional. And that was very much the same way they approached their window. Listen to them explain it. I think he's more nervous than we are. <laughs> it's not nervous. I've been, on, I've been on my bike from Melrose to Santa Monica. <laughs> it's keeping you, t you toned and fit. Oh gosh, I'm exhausted already. Okay. Brooke and Steve Gianetti from Gianetti Home. The location of the showroom where our window is, is Compass. So tell me something. LCDQ, for designers in general, and you in particular, what does an event like Legends mean? What does it do for your business? How do, how do you use the event? I think uh, there's several ways. Um, it's a it's a way to see what else is um, going on and uh, connect with the design community. Um, it's also uh, a way to um, kind of talk about what we're doing. And you know, w when you talk about uh, what what we do, um, it also helps you to become clearer um, about about um, our design intentions. And you just get to run into people along the sidewalk. That's what's really fun. You see people you've worked with over the years and kind of connect and go, wow, I should go back to that showroom or 
we were able to walk into Una Milan's showroom. And, you know, I'd seen it on Instagram. I'd, my people in the staff had been there, but I hadn't walked in and sat down in the new showroom. And it's incredible to be able to just see the stuff in person. It is. And it's one of those things, too. This is really special because it gets people out of their cars. Yes. It's truly unique in that regard. Like when getting out of your car is a, it, it's a, it's a, shouldn't be, but it's a it's big actually deal. like you're in a city. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a community. Yeah. You know, I don't know and how many people you can't get a block down the street without somebody saying, hi, what's going on? And so it's a, very nice. In a day and age of, of Instagram, when we only seem to connect online, it's an actual one-on-one, -on -one, eye-to-eye connection. We can like people in person. <laughs> right. That is the greatest. Um, so the theme this year was, was icons. Who's the icon you selected and why? Uh, we selected Bunny Mellon, um, who isn't, um, uh, she wasn't uh, trained as a designer, but we loved her outlook on life and how um, she believed that um, everything could be beautiful, or ordinary everyday objects could be beautiful. She was also um, very passionate about gardens, um, as we are, and the connection of indoor and outdoor um, spaces. So the space we chose um, to be inspired, uh, that inspired our window, was her own greenhouse, uh, which was um, a you know, kind of an iconic space, um, but also a, a space that connected that inside and outside. And to say that gardening was, uh, it, it fed your soul, um, it fed her soul, um, and it also uh, was like all those objects are beautiful, you know? Yeah, we, we tend to be, we tend to gravitate toward houses that were designed by people who live there. So the designer's house is always the best house they've ever done and because the, of the personal connection to it. And we are all about the kind of, uh, trying to maintain our client's personal connection to projects and to, to make the most out of that. And we thought she represented that idea of uh, someone just doing something amazing and personal. So what do you think it was about the work itself? Just the, I mean, she was iconic, right? But what, what about the work? What was it about the work that made it so special, that made the work iconic? There was a soul to it. You see a lot of gardens that don't really have tell a story, or you see rooms that don't really tell a story in a wonderful way. And her, her room, that, the space that we paid homage to, really told a story from the faux painting on the walls to the mixing of real equipment in the space. It wasn't just a shed, it was an idealized version of a garden shed you know, with old uh, things painted on the walls. And so we just love that the idea that you'll make something that's useful, but also something that's beautiful. And it's what we try to do in our work. And she surrounded herself um, with the things that she loved, all of her collections, and um, it was very eclectic, and it, it, it told her story, you know? And uh, I think those are the best rooms, the ones that tell the person's story who lived there. Side note, I don't have the benefit of talking to everybody, all the designers who I spoke with ahead of time about their windows. This is a special occasion, so I had the opportunity to see your presentation over at Mark Phillips. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because hearing you talk, I'm seeing what you're talking about because you were showing the, the, the slides of the, the home, I believe it was in Palm Springs. Yeah, Palm Desert, yeah. Palm Desert, and I get it. The, mm -hmm. the indoor outdoor using the outdoor as a frame of reference and then making that part of the the design itself which was fantastic 
Um, and I love that you do that. So it's it's fun for me to be able to put the, the two together and make that connection in, in real time, which is very cool. That's cool, yeah. What I mean, what it is is we have a themes that we like, but they're typically kind of style agnostic. So it, the houses don't look the same because they, they're drawn from the people that we meet, but the, the people's desire to connect to the garden and connect to indoors and outdoors is pretty much universal. So we can take those ideas and kind of filter it through any architectural or interior design language and try to make something beautiful that also um, you know, feels special to uh, the individual and that we're doing it for. So speaking of the window itself, who did you specify for the window? Um, the pieces that we use? Yeah. Uh, most of them uh, came from either Compass. You know, the, fu the fun part about Compass was uh, I think they share our uh, appreciation for just found objects. And so we got to shop in their, in their back area that has all these amazing uh, relics and architectural pieces. And so a lot of the pieces we brought in uh, from the back and just put them in the window. And Lee Stanton, um, also a, a dear friend of ours and an uh, uh, an antiquarian who has such a fantastic eye you know um, when we were putting the window together we just walked you know a couple doors down and uh, I asked him if we could you know pick a couple of his you know beautiful objects and put them in the in the window and then we're fortunate enough to um, import our own um, Swedish antiques and collect our own pieces and so we brought a bunch of um, our kind of prized possessions and put them in the window as well. I love that story too. That you bring the antiques over and then uh, and you have them in your home and then you just keep moving them around and we do. Yes. Yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, which is fun because it keeps. I I feel like our house is very dynamic because of that. Because it's never, you know, we come into we go to some clients' houses and we'll go uh, go visit. Uh, 10 years later and they haven't moved a thing and I I, um, I appreciate that it's it's quite an honor that they love it so much <laughs> but but there's also something that I like about our house being so ever-changing and dynamic um, it's it's really fun and people like to uh, often clients will come to the house and seeing a place in a house as opposed to in a showroom or a piece in a house as opposed to a showroom is just as it has a different connection to it so we, we try to do that because it, it gives us different ideas about what to do with them. We'll have pieces that are a bar one day and a bedside table the next and a, you know the focal point of the living room and a headboard the, the next week. So it's, uh, you, you become your own laboratory. laboratory. Yes, your design laboratory. <laughs> we are definitely a lab. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, sure, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. That was Brooke and Steve from Gianetti Home. And this designer is responsible for what might have been my favorite window at Legends this year. Blue patent leather. That's all I'm going to say about it, but I'll let Patrick Sutton describe it for you. And if you want to see it, go to the Convo by Design YouTube channel where this masterwork will live on. Here's Patrick Sutton. Patrick Sutton, Patrick Sutton Interiors. We are in uh, Jamal's uh, showroom, which is a rug showroom on Los Angeles Boulevard. So what, is, what does LCDQ Legends mean to you, and, and what does it mean to the design community, do you think? Um, well, what it means to me is, is an op first of all, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, so it gives me an opportunity to come to the West Coast, which I think has an incredible um, design sensibility. So I'm, I'm, I personally like it because I'm able to immerse myself into this, uh, into this culture, and I, and I love it. The, the, the actual event itself is an amalgam of people from all over the country, so it's, a, it's an opportunity to celebrate design, and I love it. 
So tell me, who's the icon you selected? This is Billy Baldwin. Um, and Billy Baldwin is very special to me because he um, originally came, uh, was born and raised in Baltimore. So, and I think that's probably the only famous iconic designer from Baltimore, and that's obviously where I have my practice. Um, and I think what's what's great about Billy is that um, he sort of was the pioneer of design in the way we live now, which is he's the one that uh, took all the preciousness out of interior design um, and uh, sort of made a happy coexistence between things that are modern and things that are more comfortable. And to me, that's uh, that's what's so special about him. It's something that we do in our work all the time, so I like him for that reason. Uh, aside from the philosophy, mm. what about Baldwin's work do you think was so special? What made it iconic? Um, so he was um, someone that was pretty much against clutter in any possible way. Um, and the way that he was most exuberant in his work was through the richness of color. And you can see in this room, which is, you know, bathed in uh, blue patent leather. That's, that was the way I sort of chose to uh, address that aspect of his work. Well, it's funny because the next question was, and how did you channel Baldwin's work? And, and I think that that is it's so tastefully and remarkably done and, and so respectful of the, of the legacy what else did you what else did you use and how did you how did you put it together um uh painstakingly <laughs> um but you know i think that we looked for uh partnering with a couple of people obviously people from this community um but actually more interestingly we we partnered with billy baldwin studios which is still in existence and we had um they were very gracious they made this sofa for us and this slipper chair for us and this little uh cocktail table excuse me this uh end table next to me we worked with uh, designers that create some more modern pieces in the room. And then the um, accessories and art and things like that came from people on the street, which is amazing. So like, for, for example, House of Fine Arts gave us this incredible modern piece uh, by Grassi, the artist, the Italian artist Grassi, um, uh, right behind my so the sofa behind me, um, and so forth. Side note, I, I think it's really interesting. You work so hard to develop not necessarily a look or a style, but you work so hard as a creative to create your studio, to create the, the look that you want people to see. I'm wondering, is it is it fun for you to come and do a project like this where you're really paying homage to another designer? So it's not it's not so much about, you know, you don't have to I'm I'm looking for the right word, but it's not about the criticism of of the design because it's not it's not necessarily your sense of style you're paying homage to another designer and trying to channel them into the work is that is that freeing or is there more is there more anxiety associated with that there's absolutely no anxiety and i'll tell you why there's so much crossover between his aesthetic and his approach and the way we work but if you think about the way most designers work it's not all our vision it's our clients vision so what we do is we take the things that are important to them use our skills to interpret what's important to them and deliver and that's exactly what we did here how was it working excuse me knowing that you know this is what you were doing to go back to the studio to billy baldwin to his studio i imagine that was pretty special yeah well you know it's interesting um um susan who 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 runs that studio uh, reached out to me on Instagram um, and and uh, sort of made a, a connection that way and um, when I decided 
to do Billy Baldwin as as our as, as the icon we wanted to follow, I reached out to her and she was so enthusiastic. So it was it was a lot of fun, and actually I learned a lot about Billy I didn't know from her, which was great. Was there anything that you did in this room that you could see doing again in a project? I'm not sure I'm going to do blue patent leather walls in the project again. Um, and one of the things that's fun about doing a window is that you can sort of take off the limitations and, and be a little bit more creative than maybe you, or exuberant as you, than you might normally uh, be. Um, but I, I liked um, the mix of color in here. And I, I think I'm, I, it, I, it was kind of liberating. Uh, a lot of the work we do is, is, is a little bit more studied than this. Um, so yeah, I can see, I can see, channeling this a little further in the future projects. I think that's so great. So we talked about this a little already, but um, walk me through and who did you who did you specify? So sure. So uh, clearly this long haired sheepskin rug that we're standing on came from Jamal's rugs whose showroom we're in. I think that would have been a little bit rude not to. Uh, and he was terrific. Um, uh, we worked with um, obviously Billy Baldwin Studios. Um, we worked with um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we worked with some of the local purveyors for some of these accessories. Uh, Lauren Wang from New York uh, is on some of the fabrics uh, on the slipper chair, for example, and on some of the pillows. Uh, she couldn't she couldn't wait to help us, which was which was lovely. Um, and then Dragonette lent, lent us uh, a, a couple of uh, great pieces, some great art pieces. House of Fine Arts, as I mentioned earlier, gave us this incredible grassy painting. Um, and uh, Harbinger, who happens to be a dear friend of mine, the owner of Harbinger happens to be a good friend of mine. He helped us in every possible way he could. Um, and the blue, blue patent leather walls came from Philip Jeffries, um, who literally jumped through hoops to get us, you know, have 30 yards of that um, of that product in, basically overnight. So those, I think, were the, the key, the key uh, uh, providers for the space. And I got to tell you, the the blue patent leather walls it's just sick and luxurious and just so cool yeah it's so cool yeah it's fun i mean like one of the things that's interesting is that i've gone down a lot of the windows here and they're very studied and very calm and they're very earthy uh and then we sort of jump out like someone just took a shot of espresso um so that's kind of fun it's fun to be a little bit different and it's great isn't it it is yeah nicely done thank you brooke wagner has mastered California cool. Her personality matches her style, and her window was a joy to talk about. Here's BWD's Brooke Wagner. I'm Brooke Wagner of Brooke Wagner Design. We're at Serena and Lily in West Hollywood getting ready for LCDQ. We are getting ready for LCDQ. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um, Legends this year, the, the theme is icons. Mm -hmm. So who's the icon you selected? We selected Dorothy Draper. Um, we decided to kind of go with this throwback old Hollywood feel um, as Serena and Lily just recently launched their hospitality collection. So we kind of did this whole like Beverly Hills hotel era of the like 30s to the 50s. So Dorothy was amazing and kind of revolutionary in that style. and. Um, really kind of paved the way for these bold patterns and lots of use of color. So we're honoring her today. What do you think it was or is about her work, um, the style? What made it so special? What, made it, what makes it so iconic? 
She was one of the first ones to really incorporate, well, I guess even farther back, she, she really is one of like the first interior designers of our country. And she kind of paved the way of using these like over the top um, patterns and color that people weren't really doing before. She was kind of like the anti-minimalist. So it works perfectly with that kind of old school Hollywood feel where it's like abundance of color and graphic patterns and design and, you know, bungalow stripes, all of that. So knowing that, how did you, how did you choose to channel her into your window? We kind of, I guess, maybe had the cart before the horse. We had kind of the design um, directive um, based on the furniture that Serena and Lily has just launched and kind of including the like BWD um, look and then knowing that we were kind of going in this um, old school Hollywood um, hospitality vibe, then I, I started being inspired. I, you know, knew we, we needed a legend and um, started looking at Dorothy's designs and it really like fits the bill perfectly. So are there any, I've, 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 this is a new question, but I've, I found it really interesting. Some designers have chosen to design their window as the icon would have designed the space. Mm -hmm. Others have chosen to design the window as they want to do it, paying homage to the, to the icon. Mm -hmm. And then there's a kind of a hybrid, like maybe I'll add a little here, a little touch there. Right. Which, which, did you, which direction did you go? I think we're kind of a hybrid. <laughs> so we, we found out that Gray Mallon was interested in kind of collaborating in this whole window display. And he has a new series of photography where he actually went to the Beverly Hills um, Hotel and did a whole poolside scene. And so we found this image that I fell in love with. And knowing that we had this Serena and Lily hospitality collection that we also love and wanted to feature, we kind of took the two together. Um, it honors, it's, it's, drape, it's Dorothy's era, and it's like just her total design um, kind of vibe with the bright colors and the huge patterns and even the this new wallpaper line that Serena and Lily came out with that we're, we're featuring as well as kind of the backdrop to the photography. It, it kind of all kind of went hand in hand and um, came full circle, I guess. That is so cool. Um, who did you specify for the window? Dorothy Draper. No, who oh. did you specify? What products did you use? And um, so if you're, if you're going or if you're looking through the room, what, what products um, did you use? Where'd you get them from? Who'd okay, so we're at Serena and Lily. Therefore, most of the products are Serena and Lily um, products that are from their new launch, the hosp their hospitality line. And then we have um, my neighbors down in CDM came up, which are amazing um, garden studio, and they're doing the um, potted plants. We kind of took the old... Um, you know Beverly Hills Hotel like you know old school topiary vibe and they're kind of doing a, a riff on that so do, they're doing that for us but for the most part it's Serena and Lily product that's great was it was and Gray Mallon sorry <laughs> say that one more time and and Gray Mallon was this was this fun for you it's been so much fun yeah I, it was something that I, I committed to months ago and thought like oh that sounds fun but it sounded like a million miles away and now that it's here I'm like so excited about it I'm really excited there's a big party on Wednesday night and I've actually never been a part um, and come up for LCDQ before so I'm really excited to be involved 
as a designer, what, what does an event like LCDQ mean for you as an individual designer and for the design community? You know, I think at least I get so busy with my day-to-day, you know, clients and design work, and I and I get kind of stuck in my regular meetings and my regular um, showrooms that are near me in in Newport. Um, that it's great to have an excuse to come up to LA, find some new vendors, like walk walk the streets, and and be exposed to all of the you know products that we might not normally see. That's great. I can't wait to see it. Me too. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. Rounding out this amazingly talented group of designers is Bridget Coulter. I love talking with Bridget. Her window design was brave and different. I'm going to let her explain it to you, but just know that making a conscious effort to be bold in design is is not a new concept. But doing it here at Legends with all eyes on you, bravo. This is Bridget Coulter. Bridget Coulter. Bridget Coulter Design. Uh, today we are in the gorgeous Una Milan showroom and uh, we're at Legends 2019. Exactly. So as a designer in, in particular, mm-hmm. design community in Los Angeles, what, is, what does an event like Legends mean to you? What does it mean to the community? I think one of the great things about Legends and Los Angeles Design Quarter is that we get to come together and you know not just have wine which is the most fun part of it but we get to see each other's work each other's imagination and collect you know collect and talk and mingle and just like talk about what we're doing because we're all working individually in our in our little cubbies and now we come out and we see each other and kind of shine so that's that's kind of what it means it's fun right it's fun yeah it's a celebration and the idea to take windows and just do some sort of creative thing is brilliant and that they've been doing this over 10 years now isn't this 11th year something like yeah, that yeah yeah so i think that's makes it really fun and it's something that you can do events around and then everyone can go late at night and see them and pass by and go, oh what were they thinking oh that's interesting so interesting that you say that because i was going to ask you that i'm actually jumping one up what is your feeling about that when you design a residence yeah you're designing for a family. It's in a box. Lock the front door. Nobody's walking in. Nobody's just walking by to see the work that you've done. And here, it's in a storefront. It's in a window. <laughs> do you, do you, is your approach just, you know what, I'm just going to punch it in the face. This is what I love to do, and I'm doing it, and I don't really care what anyone else thinks. Or do you design for, for, for people to look at it and go, hmm, what, do you, what are you thinking? What's your approach with regard to that and the public nature of designing in a window? Well, for me, I like to start every project with a concept, with this just unifying idea that everything will come from. So the process for a residential space that only the family's gonna enjoy or a space that everyone's gonna walk by is the same. I wanna say, I wanna tell an authentic story. I want to have it be visually impactful. And whether the four people are seeing it, one person is seeing it, 12 people are seeing it, or a thousand people are seeing it, for me, if I'm truly expressing something creative, then I'm happy and I'm, and we're just playing. And that's one of the fun things about design, designing a window is you do, you're aware that it's gonna be viewed in a bigger space um, or a bigger platform. But as long as it's true and you're expressing it and you go for it, like don't hold back, then I feel like we've accomplished it. Who's the icon that you selected? So it's multifaceted. 
I made it complicated. Um, I am, my goal was to do, was to really honor women of color in the decorative arts and the icons in the shadows. So I did research and you really don't pinpoint a single woman of color in interior design that's been recorded and talked about her work, but we were doing the work. And so I found that intriguing. But then there's Zaha Hadid, the grand dame, who is a woman of color, who, you know, who we lost recently, sadly. Um, but her work is exquisite. And she does interiors and architecture. And I really wanted to explore, like, what is it between even the most indigenous culture all the way to her work? How do they relate? And so mine is sort of a conversation between the two. And I'm doing a primal, um, elemental interpretation and it's inspired by Zaha Hadid did these um, Brit Awards in 2016 that are s exquisite and they are sculptural and they're all about uh, tribal feminine grouping and support. So mine is sort of that, which doesn't look at all Zaha Hadid, but it's absolutely inspired by her work and the depth of her work. Interesting. And, and <laughs> No, it's fascinating. And you're a little ahead of me because I was going to ask you, how did you how did you channel her in your work and and because I, there there's two schools of thought that I've that I've heard and then some space in between one is some designers want to want to look at their icon mm -hmm. and they want to design as their icon would have designed it mm. then there's the others who look at it and say I want to design it the way I want to design it but I want to pay homage to my the icon and designer I want to mm. just you will see them in the work that I do most people, I think, have found this sort of happy hybrid yeah. in between. But it's really interesting with yours because, so basically you took an idea, you took a concept as the icon, and you, you reconceptualized it, you reformatted it, and now you're putting a presentation together that's completely unique to it. Right. That's fascinating. That was the goal, yeah. Where, where, was, the, where was the biggest challenge? Was the, was the challenge in ideating it from the beginning or executing it knowing that your footprint is just so small and how do you impact a big message in a small footprint? One of the challenges for me is I respect the work of Zaha Hadid so much and I couldn't replicate what she does in a 10 by 10 space, but I wanted to really be true to the essence of what her work did and, and think about the history of it and the background and what informed her. So my space is kind of reflecting what informed her, how I would interpret that, how I've seen her work around the world and am always inspired and awed by everything she did, and how would I express that? So it is probably a little bit of a bridge, but it's not a replica, it's not, I took the organic form the shapes and the curves. And then one of the challenges was like, I wanted to put a Zaha Hadid, one of her consoles in there and, you know. Hold that for sure. one second. Hold on. Getting a little loud. <laughs> yeah. um, will you do me a favor? Sure. Will you start again with the con with the con uh, console? Cause I don't want to miss that. Okay, sure. Okay, go ahead. You can just, well, and you can. Walking in. Hi, Hello. do you want to go by? Are you closed? Uh, she's up here. You need Una? No, that's good. I can see everything. Oh, do you want to walk and see? No, 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 okay. Right yeah, it'll okay. be fully open yeah, 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 next week. Yes, thank you. Okay, so okay, will you just so do me a favor? Cold, cold into sure. the console. Um, one of the challenges, of the challenge part of the console? Yes. Okay, yeah. So one of the initial things I wanted to do was put this elaborate, modern, sleek Zaha Hadid console and put these tribal elements around it and play with the, play with the, di the difference between the two and kind of contrast them. And 
you can't get one. <laughs> so there's the physical, you know, not getting one. And then there's also how much space we have. So we're limited. It's challenging to go, I want to totally honor this person and take this piece and do that. Or maybe we articulate it in a different method. Um, so I sort of had to really refine the design. I did a lot of sketches for this window, <laughs> um, which is so funny. But it's like the more you sketch, the more you get a sense of what it is. And it started to tell me the story of what it wanted to be. And I let it channel. Let's just channel and let's let it happen and let it be what it is. And we had even challenges like our space changed <laughs> for various reasons. And it was like, okay, so this wide space I had is now this space. Deal with it. That's just, okay, universe is telling me, let's go. So we just, and it made it better. It made it better. So all of the challenges got me to refine it. And still the feeling is in there, but it's not art, just straight up imagery, you know? Isn't that how the universe works? Yeah. I believe it. I'm telling you. It's, it's yeah. so true. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a little off topic sure. here for a minute, but I'm really interested. Um, Women of color, design, mm -hmm. credit, right. career. Um, it's you have so many different elements there, right? So w women in women in particular, and actually women of color in particular, women in general. Yeah. Um, how do you? How does one? Right. How does one affect change when it comes to that? Because you're yeah. you're in the biz. Some people view it as I'm in the business, I'm making it, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna lead by example. I'm gonna lead lead as a representative leader. Others will say, you know what, I'm I'm going to I'm going to force the issue. I'm going to press through. There's no right right answer. Yeah. There's no wrong answer. There there's right and wrong execution, right? Yeah. How yeah. do you, how do you what's your because clearly it means something it to does. you. So so how do you approach that? Uh, for me, women of color and design women of color working in architecture. Now, just to sideline a little bit, women of, culture, uh, of color in architecture, black women in architecture, Latina, all kinds, have, do have some sort of recognition. There's the first and they, you know, that sort of, but design, as you know, as a career, is sometimes not respected in the same way. So there's, first of all, just the career of a designer. So we're already at a like, well, what, what do you do? You just put pretty things. No, <laughs> we don't just put pretty things. <laughs> um, but so then you add the challenge of a career. I honestly went in maybe to Pollyanna, but I just went in like, I'm going to do excellent work and I'm going to um, filter it through my design sensibilities, articulate the human being that I'm working with and try to tell the best, you know, present the best story, the best design. I think design is a story. You're telling a story of the person. And I try to just do excellent work. And I didn't think that being of color would limit me. I just never saw it as a limit. I, and I felt like I just met the most open people and I just have done work for all kinds of people. Some of the challenges of recognition is, you know, I'm a worker bee. I work in a little office. I work a lot of hours and a lot of it is project management and I have a small team and they're amazing. and. You know, you don't necessarily get the recognition, but I'm not in it for the recognition. I do. You want people to say, understand what your work is and see. But you know, if that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But as I started to do this piece, I really thought about how important it is to be an example. So I'm just trying to walk in my truth, do the best work I can, and and put it out there for people to see. And I've also joined different groups. There's a group called uh, Black Artists and Design Guild that I'm a member of, which is just shows you the incredible work happening around the country, around the world, 
that when we find each other and we start to network and really to make sure that we're promoted equally and that we all join, because diversity isn't just like, oh, it's all this people or all that, it's all of us together. And uni unity is what we need in the country right now, and I'm about that. So I tell it through a focus of what I know. I understand being a woman of color, I understand being a black woman, and there may be challenges to that, but I also think there's amazing opportunities. So I take it all as you know, just stepping forward and seeing what happens. I have so much more to talk to you about, but we're going to have to save that <laughs> yes, for another yeah, yeah. time. No um, who did you specify? Um, oh, my artisans. Yep. So I got these tribal mirrors. I'm um, tribal mirrors, sorry. My, um, I used artisans from around the country. My mirrors are from Marcel, Jean Marcel, and he takes all of this waste from Katrina and builds and uses old doors and he puts all the pieces together and paints them and creates this piece. So we have these mirrors from him that tell a story. So I loved that. Amaline B, who's a ceramicist. Um, I have Galia Lin, whose sculptures are amazing. Her sculptures are called uh, Vessels of Divinity. So I was like, what? And she happened to have them and you know, cause people are memoing their things. Uh, Jean de Marie, we have, um, their tables from Pave and Fishman Wiseman uh, chandelier. We have Galia Lynn. Did I say Galia Lynn? Yes, I did. Okay, so then we have uh, Delia Hauser, who's uh, an amazing visual artist who did all of these outdoor um, plants in textiles and beads that are exquisite. Um, we have an Una Milan uh, chandelier, a pendant. Uh, we have a pendant from Una Milan and Am I getting all my pieces? I think that's all the pieces. Oh, and then I have some like accessories from BCD and then Sila African Imports, a few pieces will sprinkle in. That's my, that's my window. <laughs> that's awesome. And I cannot wait to see it. Thank you. This has been great. Thank you. Really appreciate it. That is a wrap on this episode of Legendary Conversations. Thank you, Kevin Isbell, Brooke and Steve Gianetti, Brooke Wagner, Patrick Sutton, and Bridget Coulter. Thank you to Cambria Surfaces for their support. Thank you to Mar Michigan, uh, LCDQ president and longtime friend of the show, Patrick Dragonette. Special thanks to the amazing LCDQ showroom owners and managers, and of course you, because without you listening, there is no Convo by Design. For all Convo by Design episodes, including the legendary conversations, uh, please find us everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. For more from each of these designers and to see their windows, Follow us, Convo by Design, on YouTube.